Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Third time's a charm, Third apparently. Third time's this a charm. Good. <laughs> Listen to me. We started this podcast. I, I mentioned... At the end of Bob and the Monster, that if you don't die, anything is possible. And then when all the kids were dying in 2012, 2013, 2014, I just started saying to clients when they were going to leave or they thought they had the world on a string and they had a new girlfriend and they were 30 days sober, I just started hugging people and saying, dude, just don't die. Mm -hmm. Don't die. Be, and the and the death rate kept skyrocketing, and I just started saying it all the time, saying it in a group, saying it to anybody I met, any parent I talked to. The key is survival. Maybe you should have made rubber bracelets that said "Don't die." Yeah, I know that seems to solve a lot of problems. <laughs> like live strong. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> so, anyways, the death rate is going down, and I give almost eighty percent in a Trumpian world. It's almost eighty <laughs> percent of the responsibility of the death rate going down is to the "Don't Die" podcast. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. But. But we were talking about Mike Mart because he was setting up and we were chatting. And, Hello, Mike Mart. And Hi. Mike Mart is one of the one of the most. He's a throwback to another time, right? But I was listening to his album the other day, and people at home, you got to get this record. I don't know what it's called because I have the thing that's just written on it, just says Mike Mart, hmm. like one of those CD things. What is it called? A CDR or whatever? Oh, it just you says just Mike got a Mart. Copy? Yeah, it's burn called copy. Tomorrow Shines Bright. That's it's exactly what it's called, greatest, Mike Mart. That's true. One of the greatest albums. It is a good album. I had a bunch of really good players on that. And I, you know, oh, yeah. don't give credit to other people. I It's a little overproduced, but the songwriting is amazing. It's a little overproduced. You know what? It was so good. I think we'd like to record it again, but we're going to do it without you. No, yeah. I've, always, I've always felt, hey, there's a demo of a song called My Boy that was a Thelonious Monster song. It's like it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful. The demo song. is better than the fucking song on the. You sure you didn't get demoitis with it? Because <laughs> it's just me and you and a six pack and a and a bunch of other stuff, and we're just. I sitting just want to know room. what demoitis is. Demoitis, you know, you record a demo, you do an open air recording of it, and you get so used to hearing it that way. It's better that, that it way. Sounds like that's the way it should have been. Yes. So there's no you that's can't improve condition? on it. Condition is that a condition? Well, demoitis, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> well. I, I, <laughs> You're not. <laughs> but, but I saw Mike play those songs for years, and there's other ones that no one's ever heard. The song called Bobby Kennedy. Is your shoes is your shoes are dirtier than mine on that record? The, yeah, it's just called yeah. Shoes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's on there. That's about Lauren Newman. I know what all his who all his songs are about. Yeah, too. it is makes them better. Your shoes are dirtier than mine. This girl loved Mike so much, you... and he couldn't accept that she was an affluent person. That's really <sighs> the story behind that song. <laughs> Don't you? Didn't you used to play that at the Insolvent Songwriters? Well, yeah, I did. Uh, and let me explain a little bit. It wasn't necessarily about Laura. Yes, herself. it was. It was Come a, on. kind of about how her parents looked at me. Well, that's your problem, not her problem. Uh, you know, they just, of course, now that she I'm a loved parent, you, yeah, Mike. But now that I'm a parent, I would have done the same. <laughs> oh, oh, right. oh! Uh, no, Mike Marts for Mike's children. Uh, no way! Uh, I was such a wreck. No I, way! I totally don't blame him now. That's for sure. 
I'll tell you, it's a crazy thing to be around a genius like Mike and then dealing with all his insecurity and all his craziness about this podcast (laughs) and the studio we're building. Oh, we're We're going to build a studio. He's also the guy that we have a studio here that we never use. So now we're going to go build a real studio so that supposedly Mike will take it more seriously. Don't go go there. (laughs) Here's what happened, Bob. I mean, this this is nice out here and everything. This is nice out here, but it's kind of like you guys' space. I agree. I I felt it. And I I wasn't trying to be like. No, I don't know that. I just felt it. It's just hard to get people to come out here. Like, and it's hard it, to get people to come is, out here. This is going to be in Silver Lake, where all of the people live. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can say, Pete Weiss, come on down, let's record a song. And he lives two minutes away instead of, oh, what time? Because of traffic. <laughs> blah, blah, yeah, blah, nobody blah. wants to drive. <laughs> Not going where you live, Bob. <laughs> and we won't go into that traffic yeah. thing. But So so the, the end of the, the little aloe sponsorship thing, it says, get the right treatment for you. And, yes. And, what right? does that mean, Bob? Well, proper assessment and oh. what it's coming back i i'm a i'm a i'm a wash in optimism chuck today wow because That's so great because, stay down Mike. well it's because of a negative thing don't don't think i'm a rose-colored glasses uh. it's because the industry is falling apart because all the scumbags who ruin this fucking industry are now getting out because they can't make as much money as they were in right. 2014-15 and only the good people like warren boyd and evan and jared and me and you and other people that i know tim chapman paul only the people who are really in it for the right reasons are going to stay in it Right. Yeah. And so, what I think we're able to do now, especially at Allo, we're just we're just properly saying, like, I don't know that you need to go to Malibu. We're saying that to clients now, and I don't want to paint all people as as bad and good, you know, like the good people and the bad people. There's it's all gray, but it's a fact that a lot of people who didn't know. Let's put it in more. More, less Bob Forrest context and more of a Chuck context. <laughs> there, are, there are people who have no business being in the recovery business, got into the recovery business. What would motivate someone to get into an industry they knew nothing about? Money. Right, high returns. High returns. So now they're all getting out. I just uh, the every time I hear that a bad actor went bankrupt or their staff got and there's a great thing happened. A rehab center went bankrupt up in Oregon, and I heard about it. And um, and Evan jumped on it. And those people aren't going to lose their jobs. And we're going to take it over and stuff like that. That the good actors are now going to be able to do the right thing. So we were compromising the right thing in order to survive to compete with these equity funds that could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing and call centers and stuff and now they're all going bankrupt acadia healthcare has gone bankrupt american addiction centers is about to go bankrupt you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. the whole thing of this huge billion dollar industry is starting to evaporate it's not going to completely go away but who will be left i believe are the people that were doing it in 2000 and 2001 and 2003 when there was no money to be made Mm -hmm. and and we'll be doing it in 2020 and 21 22 and what's exciting is this is the newest thing in the last four months you can actually say to a client because they can't just go to another rehab because of their insurance card. They can't shop like Warren right. likes to say. That shopping shit with your with your insurance card is over. 
That's excellent. Yeah, right? So you can say, listen, we're going to stabilize you, and you're going to go to Silver Lake, and you're going to get a fucking job. <laughs> and the kid can go, the kid, you know, if they're smart enough, they, can, they know they don't have a lot of other options. There's not a lot of other rehabs for them to run off to. There's not a bunch of flop houses making $1,300 a day off somebody's insurance. So they, they're kind of like, oh, please, can't I go to Malibu just, just so, until I, you know, for a month, right? And I'm like, well, maybe for two weeks, right? Because I, <laughs> I am a patient, at, I'm, a, I'm codependent. Right. But it, it feels so good to do proper assessment and really assess like a 20-something opioid addict doesn't need a 60-day retreat in Malibu. They just don't. Right. They need to be around people their age and going to meetings and getting a job and falling in love and crashing a car and all that <laughs> you gotta, shit. Got to crash the car. They, you you got to crash. Cars. Well, no, that that's a, that is a huge thing because when you get the older older clients that have had stuff that have that have uh, put together a career that have amassed things to lose them all, you can't explain that to someone who's twenty. You can't you can't tell them what it's like. All they all they've done is they've lost the ability to live with their mom and dad. <laughs> Well, I mean, and, and that can be heartbreaking, but it's a whole whole lot different than building your little empire and having it all go away. There's so much more life experience there. Right. That you see, in my day, you, if you did something wrong, you did something bad, you had to go to jail where you got like a dry sandwich and you had to sleep in a cell with a whole bunch of other guys. And it wasn't, but it wasn't get, a comfortable thing. But, though, I, but was I, mean, there, what, I was there when you were going to jail. That didn't get you sober, Mike. Uh, kind well. No, being no, ashamed, being ashamed, got you sober. And what it took for you to be ashamed of yourself was unbelievable. <laughs> you can't say that though. I I just got was really sick and tired of it. it was, you know how they say sick and tired of being sick and tired. There was exactly one event. I, I was there the day before on Christmas Eve. A, really? Yeah, I was at your house. Was it was it drugs you in the butt? Yeah, Mike <laughs> no, you weren't. Oh yes, I was. What I did was, you bring me over some drugs? Yeah, <laughs> we did drugs on Christmas Eve. No, we did crack. Yeah, awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> that must have been a great time. I was so, but you know when I was living in Susie's, my, I was so sick and so bad and so skinny and so In that so place that had the lawn in the front going up to your guys' bungalow. So listen to this. Mike Martin has no sense of time and place. That's right. I lived on Vendome, Mike, two blocks over. You went down that hill, up and down and to the left, like the JFK assassination. Oh, yeah. So yeah, And I, I lived on Vendome, friend, and me and Mike like smoked crack sometimes twice a day, two different times during the day. And Mike thinks we didn't even know each other then. <laughs> it must have been really memorable. <laughs> God. One thing for so sure, bad. if you went by Mike Mark's house, he was home. He was never not home. There was a whole couple of years there, a year and a half, where he was never not home. Well, I had to watch it. <laughs> I was paranoid. I had to make sure nobody was going to come in and steal nothing that I had. I didn't have anything to steal, but I was making sure that I, you know, that I wasn't getting shot at or killed, which was in my imagination. So I don't think that rehabs get people sober. I think events in each individual's life. But that what Al is based on is you should have a good feeling about what sobriety is. At best, that's what rehab does. That sobriety is a valuable, cool fun desirable thing mm -hmm. you may not be ready for sobriety but and we're not mad at you for not being ready but it should be presented as freedom as empowerment as something valuable not punishment not 
you know, this kind of, uh, oh, I have to go to AA every day and get yelled at by grumpy old people. Shouldn't be presented as that. Right. Because they're probably not going to get sober. Now, here's the one thing that Aloe's great at. Real adults, like you mentioned. Real adults do well. Aloe is geared for real adults who have jobs and careers and houses and relationships and stuff. And how to not lose those things or regain some of that that that's what what let's call it the malibu model or the aloe model that's what it's that's who it's geared for right right? the the more places like wavelengths where you work or what i want to start in long beach or somewhere else is for that other population which is a huge part of the population which is a failure to launch you know, eternal adolescence, irresponsibility, right. and that thing that you're talking about. Let's and I know kids that are 35 that are like that. I'm not talking about they're 22. They're all 22. Some of them are 30 and 31 and 32. Yeah. There's... Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's it's not it's not a rare occurrence anymore. So they don't those... answer their phone. They don't get back to you know. You try and like make you know make uh, somebody rehearse or just a meet, and they don't they don't even follow through. I know. So it's that weird. that population needs long term treatment. They need, but they need long term treatment that has stages, like right. cry help and impact, which no places really do. Maybe you're doing it, but you don't have enough time. And ninety days is about max for you guys. Uh, you know, we've we've had some go recently up to 180. Yeah, but you would have to create an individual treatment plan for that. Person. Well, yeah, well, you it, know what I mean. It, it is, it is, and it, but but you're right. It's everybody that comes in. It's like some people, uh, by the time they step down to IOP, it's like, okay, do you have your driver's license? If you can't get a driver's license, let's get you an ID. Do you have your birth certificate? If you don't, let's get your birth certificate. If you don't have your GED, let's do that. Let's get you working. Let's get you moving forward. Right. And and it, it's so important. You know what, Dave, going back to what you had talked about, I listened to that uh, dopey thing that was on This American Life. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't ever listen to any podcasts ever, but that was... It was it was something Did else. It tear you up? Did it choke you up? Well, I and it I, choked up some people that I'm surprised. Ryan, the Don't Die Wisconsin, got choked up. He's about as tough a cookie, commie, sarcastic <laughs> guy as they come. Truck well, choked him well, up. Well, you know the what he said is. Um, Did it choke you up? Jack? Yeah, yeah. You know, I well, won't admit it. I knew it. You, no, you it, got a little tearful, didn't you? I, I don't know if I can cry, Bob. <laughs> Why can't you say it, Chuck? <laughs> it made me I mean, cry. I think the I felt what people think of when they get really sad. I think I might have felt what regular people feel, but the, <laughs> I'm, I'm still. I think I'm still a lot of sociopath. But he said that it's a bummer that these people died before they got to experience the freedom of sobriety. Right. And I and you know that's something that that's not like trying to sell anything but man they died before they got to live this life that I get to live. And that is a big deal and that's what people don't understand. You know when people surface into sobriety, it's a big deal. It can be so cool once you walk through the shit. It's a it, it and I've seen it. Here's the thing about what I was talking about the individual treatment plan. I don't even call it that. I just took on projects. Right. Ryan, the, the kid that was the house manager when your son was in Beachwood, mm-hmm. he's now getting married. He's been sober this whole time. Amazing. I haven't taught him the lessons. I don't see him very often. I don't talk to him much. The first two years I did. But it's more like he learned. He learned how to 
how to smooth himself over to, to work in the world. To right? fit the world. Hmm. To fit the world. What are the that, odds? That's something that you and I talked about earlier. So the world is the world. It's just going to be the world, whatever world you're okay. talking about, right? I mean, somebody told him that all you're going to get is sober and you have to go out and you have to work like the rest of the people and you have to go out and you have to live and there's going to be ups and downs and get out and get it done. Right. right. And that's that's painful when you get sober when you're 26 and you've always been kind of a, you know, like his main... his. I think his, I hate to talk about him, but him, he might like it. His main career was selling dead sh- and fish shirts in the parking lots of concerts. Oh, gee. So he had to listen to fish? <laughs> he loved oh. fish. People love fish, Chuck. You're going to have to accept that. I, I'm sure. And cool. They're headlining Bonnaroo this year, and they're playing two of the three nights. Like, no band's ever done that. Trey's sober. Yeah, Isn't Dave, Dopey Dave, a uh, Grateful Dead guy? Yeah. Uh, Grateful mm-hmm. Dead is way different than fish. It's the same thing. What are you talking <laughs> no, about? No. Oh, boy. Like, you no. Send your cards and letters to Mike Oh, Mark. my. Oh, the <laughs> phone is lighting up. Some, some, you it's just like make a Christmas tree go off. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, let me put my dunce cap so on. It, but, but, but to watch him and this other kid, Max, and Yuri, and this other kid, Max, those are those are people that we all took special interest in evan me jared to a lesser extent staff at aloe mm-hmm. we remained friends with those people and connected to those people and they remained connected to us for years well that's a big part of it right? they remain connected to you they didn't wander off but you've got to be as a clinician if i haven't heard from so-and-so for two weeks i text him like dude what's up you still sober you have to do that it's our responsibility to each other. And that whole mentality right. of like, listen, if they want fucking, they'll show up. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I, I, can't, I have more and more contempt every month that goes by for the people who sit in 12 step meetings and proselytize to no one. Uh, proselytize yeah. to <clears throat> no one. Uh, to eight other people that are, that are just like them. I've got a, I got a guy from uh, Ohio who was telling me how bad the meetings are in Ohio and compared to here where oh it's still, where it's still bad but he he said that it'll, it'll just be and, and that there's no recovery places in Ohio yeah that I know and he goes you know so it's like you walk into these meetings and there's six old guys telling you well back in my day and I and he goes and he goes and then then they throw people out because they say drugs yeah you know and it's just like and there's no other there's nowhere else to go there's not like it's not like there's an NA meeting on every corner it's it's AA in a lot of the places there where he is so it's people people are starting to realize what I've been saying for years about this see see Two years ago, I said that, and you'd say, "No, I'll bet you there's no oh, hey, hey, it's probably good." Now you've, you're hearing no, there's it some from, good ones, Bob, and you know that. Listen, you can't say they're all bad. No, I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm saying that the spirit of AA has been perverted. It has the spirit of AA, whether it's a good or a bad meeting. What's a good meeting? A, a meeting that 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 is fits what I think is described in the Big Book. The the new person can come. And get introduced to the solution, right? But there's right? some there's there's some there's some people that get their world gets really small when they stop drinking. When they stop drinking, they stop doing whatever they were in the bars and everything, and they get sober and they go to AA. Their world actually gets smaller. But their the, world actually but, st- they stay in AA. They live in AA. They can't function out in the real world. They love it in there because they can tell people what to do, and it's their own little world. 
No, but there used to be regulation when I, I started going to AA in mid-80s, right? But is that not true? Well, check with your, with your people that knew AA 30 years ago. So if somebody did a little too much proselytizing, the leaders of that group would step to that person after the meeting or before the next meeting or at lunch or at dinner or at dinner the, at the next time they saw them. Say, you know what? Why don't you tone that shit down about telling everybody mm -hmm. what to do? I saw Bob Timmons do it. I saw Harold do it. I saw the leaders of my community step to their brothers and and not, it was mostly men stags that I went to, but step to their brothers and say, listen, you know what? And tell them what AA was. Mm -hmm. No one's doing that anymore for a combination of reasons because it's not right to criticize other people in the modern political correct world, right? No, dude, you're going on right. too far about this <laughs> proselytizing. We, I just uh, was talking to a guy on uh, Sunday, yesterday. God, was that only yesterday? And uh, and he goes, uh, he goes, you know, one of my, he goes, I love coming here because it's the beach meeting, my home yeah. group, right? He goes, I love coming here because it's so free of the the bullshit that happens everywhere. And he goes, and I got people at my other meetings coming up to me saying, Hey, you really need to talk to that guy. And he goes, what are they going to do if I, what are they going to do if I die? They need to learn to step up. They need to know well, that because there's, I can tell you. So your friend is about three to eight years sober. And the people with 20 years tell him to go talk to the new guy. <laughs> well, no, he has more time than that, but he, they're comfortable with, I think that's the way it should be. I think the people who's with more, the people telling him it's, it's it's people that don't think that they have any right to say. The people with less time are going to him and saying, "Hey, since you've got more time, would you go over there and tell this?" Oh, person those that? are the rules that those people have made up in AA. And that's and she goes, "No, he goes, you're standing on the the principles. You know that this isn't about that. You know they need to stick to sharing what 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 their experience, strength, and hope. No, is. but up in up in LA, this." 40 miles north on the 5 freeway the people with long term sobriety tell the tell the mid sobriety people 3 day ears what they should, you know you should talk to that guy you should sponsor that guy why don't you fucking do it <laughs> no it's, yeah it's when people when people are out of line and they you know it's gotten way distorted that's all it and, is, it and is weird. at a time when it was so needed it really didn't step up is, is that a fair statement? That, I, I can't disagree with that. Okay, so hopefully it will. You know, the uh, old people die. <laughs> That's one thing I know. Yeah. <laughs> old people die. And things morph and change and, and grow and distort and become different. I watched the 12-step world become different in my sobriety, which will be 23 years in a couple weeks. Ooh, um, congratulations. Um. Hopefully it's going to recongregate and reconstitute and become something more about new people rather than about people with time and how great they are and how knowledgeable and wise they are. You know what I mean? And, you know, wisdom, wisdom is a strange thing. Wisdom, the wisest person I knew was, was Leonard Cohen, right? He never told anybody what to do. He just made statements that were little little teaching sessions but if you weren't attuned to he was teaching if you weren't a student you it would blow right over your head huh. right um you know just little things like about what is he would share 
I'll give you an example. So I asked him, what did you do in Mount Baldy when you were in the monastery for eight years? You know, I'm thinking, oh, I meditated and I saw God. And da, 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 <laughs> you asked da, da. Leonard Cohen this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, the dishes. I was in charge of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and then we were washing dishes. And he said, isn't it very therapeutic? It is very therapeutic to clean, to wash. How to, come I don't to get make, to hang out with to Leonard Cohen? Perfect. How come I never got to hang out? Because you with live him? in Orange County, dude. <laughs> no, 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 really. I live in Long Beach. <laughs> well, That's how, Los Angeles. How, how do I not know that you hung out with Leonard Cohen? Because it, I had, I would have had a lot of questions. Oh, I, I asked him. Questions. I hung out with him for like three years. Really? Well, we got to talk all about this, man. Uh, well, I feel like. Have you ever seen the Woody Allen movie where he plays a guy that knows he's been around everything? He's not. Like Zalig, I think it's called. Zell- I'm kind Zell- of like, I thought that was World War II I'm like II a era. human Zalig. <laughs> yeah. wow. so, supposed to have been when I was ignoring you or something. Yes, when you when you didn't think I was sober or something. <laughs> it was when I was like four years sober. So that's amazing. So dude. so he um, literally the like one of the greatest songwriters to ever grace I even, this planet. You know the, about songs, even, just even greater human teacher. Hmm. Of how to be graceful and dignified. So tell a dishes story, the whole thing. You, what, okay. Where were you at? So I was at, I was at his house. At we his were house. washing dishes. You guys had had dinner <laughs> Wait and a were washing dishes? So like, did you just like see him on the street and go, hey, Lenny. No, no, no. It there had was a romantic kind of component to it. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so, so I mean, he has, a, he has a, a daughter who had her best friend that their family kind of adopted her. And then I started dating her. And she would, I, but I would see her at her work. Oh, I remember. I would see now. her at, no, I'm like, remember. Damn. And I would see her at her work. I would see her at her work, and then I'd text her, and I'd say, What are you doing? And she goes, Oh, I'm home. And I'd be like, Oh, let's get together. And she would always meet me somewhere. After you do that for like four or five months going out with somebody, and you've never been to their house, I really started suspecting that she had a boyfriend. Or a and husband. That, yeah. Well, she was <laughs> tad young. <laughs> I didn't think he was married. But, but I just said, you don't want me to come to your house for some reason. What is going on? And she said, well, it's a very private house. And, and let me just figure it out. And, and we were becoming closer and in a relationship and whatever. And then, it, then she just told me, like, where I live, like, you can't really come. People can't come just unannounced or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't, can you imagine this conversation? First, wow. you have to push it. Like, how come I've never been to your house? Right? Right. And... So then we, I go over and, well, she tells me who it is and whatever, and that I'm going to be over for a Seder dinner on a Friday. Oh, my God. Wait, did you, did you, did you That's amazing, act unimpressed dude. that it was Leonard Cohen? No, What's of course did, not. Did you say, cool, you're kidding. No, you guys Bob, rad. I, I know what Bob did. Bob gushed <laughs> everything. Like, you're kidding. That's so cool. I th- said that's so cool. So go to Seder dinner. He knows everything about sobriety, and she had told him that I was sober, and so what, you know, and so it was just very formal and very they're cool family, right? Her, uh, his two kids were there, and and her and and Leonard's girlfriend, and and we just had this dinner, and I was really stuffy, and then they were gonna have some drinks, the kids, you know, and then he knew I was feeling insecure, and he said, he said, uh, Bob come into my office and we went into his office where he writes his songs oh my god 
God. Where he writes his songs. <laughs> it's like going into church. My it's going into the cathedral <laughs> like of Leonard. It's just right? in chapel or and something. We're do, and we're sitting there, and it's just so uncomfortable. Like, you don't, he knows I'm a songwriter, and it's just like, when he was trying to put me at ease, and we're sitting there, and he we're talking about, I don't know what, like, and he just said, would you like to see a beautiful bosom? Oh, that's great. <laughs> like, what? I was like, what? And he goes, gals send me pictures of them all the time on the internet. And he's just <laughs> on the computer. And he showed me this picture of this girl and sent him. She loves his music and whatever. And, and these are my boobs. <laughs> yes. Thank you for the music. Here's what? my boobs. But it was like, it was like so graceful it was just it was just <laughs> elegant it was elegant in the way he did it everything he did was elegant oh he was God. wearing a, a two-piece suit with a tie in his own home at dinner at six o'clock he was mm. just an amazing amazing That's fun so guy great and you know it just was what did you call him leonard Leonard, he's not Mr. Cohen. Yeah, I was going to say Mr. Cohen would be, but maybe. I said, well, one time I was going because they lived downstairs and he lived upstairs in this duplex. And one day I came by and I was going to the girl's house downstairs and and uh, and he was walking out and there was a limo out in front and I go, Leonard, where are you going? He was all dressed up. He goes, I'm I'm going to the Golden Globes, nominated for a Golden Globe. (laughs) Really? I was like for Shrek. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's so great did you ask him about like any of the songs i mean yeah i asked know. him about hallelujah so i got to oh. i i said you know we were talking about songwriting and and he how hard it was for him to feel like a song is done or whatever and they're like children and all the things that you've read he said he i he said to me but he's i said how long did it take you to write hallelujah and he just looked at me and said my whole life it took my whole life to write that song Right. These are the these are the really the teachers that are among us. Like he was just a regular guy. What you learned about being around him is he was just every day in the moment present. Where are you going? We're gonna go get pizza. Just like excited about life. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so great, dude. He Wiley one time because he because he lived for years off of Wilshire and Highland. What's Wiley? Wiley is a guy that Mike and I know from Golden Boys. Wiley Daly. Wiley took He's a picture amazing. of him and Leonard's buying like Doritos at the 7-Eleven at Highland in Wilshire. And Wiley just couldn't believe it and was taking pictures, sneaking around the 7-Eleven, <laughs> yeah. taking pictures of Leonard. Leonard Cohen's buying a Coke and Doritos at oh 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I want a Coke and Doritos. I, I get Doritos and Cokes at 7-Eleven. I'm like Leonard Cohen. I'm ready to That's what them. he was trying to teach. Right, that we can all be dignified in our own way, but dignity is everything, and we live in it in very undignified times, mm. right? And we so that's do. what I take away. Like songs, yeah. I mean, I know what, who some of the songs are about. I got to ask questions like that, like Marianne's real. Marianne's of course, real Marianne's person. real. Yeah, the story. <laughs> She she died. <laughs> Mike's gonna tell us. Of about course. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of songs that aren't true. And so, but but he's just an amazing liver of life. And you know, parallel to him is like George Clinton's one of the most. He's like that, like full of life. Like George Clinton is a rad dude. He's a very wise person. Very understands the oh, world. He, he worked with your. 
He works yeah, with those guys. he'll just light up some crack right, right as you're talking. <laughs> no, to he'll him. he'll give you. He had a long fingernail. We were at Canners one time, and he's he was taking a bip, and I looked at him, and he goes, "You want a bip?" And he just put his <laughs> big long fingernail Dude. with coke in it right across the table at Canners from me. Listen, I did, monitor, I did monitors for right him. off his fingernail, Chuck. <laughs> I did monitors for him for a couple of shows, right? Yeah, he's great, isn't and he? And he's just sitting in the dressing room, and there's all these people around and everything. He's just smoking crack, <laughs> just like not. Paying Paranoid. I'm like, how does he do that? Tolerance. <laughs> he's just like smoking it. Yeah, hold on. I gotta smoke some crack. No, now he's sober. I heard. I know, but man, it was crazy. I was like, whoa. But so, Wait, but, but you, that's what I I would say is sobriety is dignity, and what being around Leonard taught me is to live with dignity. Right? Bob Dylan has a song from 20 years ago called Dignity. He could see that America was losing its dignity. Right? And so the idea is like, you can live a dignified life when all around you are undignified. That's what Leonard was, right? He also didn't like complaining. I mean, he wasn't, he was, he was a human being. So I like to complain a lot. Have you noticed no, that, Chuck? No, no, no <laughs> way. I started catching on that. that, that he would, he would counter whatever I was complaining about with reality-based facts, right? Two, maybe. And then if I didn't catch on <laughs> that what I was complaining about was a waste of time, he would just tip his hat and say, well, I'm off. And he would just <laughs> <laughs> and I would, His work was I done. I would be so disappointed that he had left. And yeah. then sometimes he would just leave and go in the other room. And I'd be like, what okay. is he? And I caught on. Like It was my first glimpse that complaining for the sense, just for the the complaining for complaining only is is a waste of time you should have some sort of thing that your solution solution right. or some sort of idea of, of of what what it is that you're battling with this problem so traffic was one that i always complain about so oh my God. what are the odds 20 years ago goes, <laughs> 19 years was, ago and <laughs> i was complaining about traffic and he said it's not like los angeles isn't known for its traffic <laughs> yeah you live here live with it you know you could always move to was, claremont I was, and late, it's a, I was late one time and he said he said you could have always left earlier because <laughs> i was making excuses oh that's but, perfect right you could have always left earlier that's so perfect right so solutions and just have teachers so so AA was the place where I was taught these things about sobriety by Doug Figer, by Bob Timmons, by, by people that are still alive that I don't want to name. But amazing people, Gloria Scott, taught me how to Wait, be Doug sober. Wait, Doug Figer was in what band? The Knack. The Knack. Oh, my God. Hi, I knew that. <laughs> he was a great, he was a good guy. And, and a lot. I had and, no idea. And dozens sober. of other guys that taught me how to, how to be we're not teaching people how to be by shoving steps down their throat. We're not. No, we do. We, we do by example. Yeah. And that that tells me how far I have to go. I, I loved it when Susan Sarandon said, 
David Bowie was one of the most dignified, graceful people she'd ever met. That's my goal. And I know how far I have to go when I was watching the Mr. Rogers thing. And every time, every time, I'm by myself. My wife and kid are not home. And every time they said something about how much he loved kids, I made some totally wrong remark about it. I need to grow up. I need to watch the Mr. Rogers documentary until I can't make any pedophile jokes through the whole thing. Then I'll be better. Bob, you remember that meeting at, over at Sly Stone's place? Yeah, right? yeah. That was one of the greatest that's meetings where ever. I met, because that's where I met Gloria Scott. What, that was one of the greatest meetings ever because it was just around. You were sitting around in chairs and it just went around and everybody just talked and said, said something and then, you know, it just stopped. And then it was like the greatest meeting. Yeah. No, nobody people, told anybody what to do. Nobody told anybody what to do. People knew how to share about their experience, strength, and hope exactly. or what they were going through. The same with Teen Canteen was like that. Nobody was proselytizing at Teen Canteen. No, that's true. And that's where the Saturday morning groups started. And that's what attracted me and me and Mike and Smog and Anthony and everybody to it. It was like it wasn't proselytizing. It wasn't religious. You know what? Religion proselytizes. Christianity does. You want me to tell but, you a funny story? But AA didn't, and now it does. You want to tell me? I'll tell you a funny story about the Saturday morning group. It, one day it was, you know, remember Paul? You know Paul Ill? Yeah. Right. So, so it's my home group, Saturday morning group, and I'm in there, and it's my birthday. It's Christmas Day, right. and this guy starts sharing about Jesus and how it's Jesus's birthday, and Paul Ill just stands up and goes. This is not about just start yelling at the guy. Oh, this know, is not is. about Jesus's birthday. This is about Mike Mart's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Oh my yeah, God. very similar. Very, very, very similar. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, that was funny as hell. But so let's try to bring dignity back, and we can do it best of all by properly assessing patients, referring them to other treatment centers if they would do. We feel we would do better. They would do better there. Mm. And I think the tide has turned. The insurance, your your Aetna PPO insurance card is no longer a Motel Six card, right? They're being much Yay. stricter on criteria for admission. No longer. Yeah. They're they're no being longer the park hopper. <laughs> yeah, they can't they can't be the park. I I have park hopper at Disneyland. <laughs> That's a good thing at Disneyland. Not so great for for treatment. For treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know I. I don't like California Adventureland, but when Disneyland's too crowded, I'll go there. Yeah, so there's not as much to do. There's not. But, and I'm not a fan of the big the big coaster. So it's time to get all the bad actors out and rebuild. Well, they and already support, are out. Rebuild it's, and support I, all the good actors. Do we have know? Do we have current numbers? Because I know we lost like a hundred in Orange County, which just leaves room for people to be able to to swim a little bit and to be a unique think program. about think about yeah i heard that it was 100 i don't know that that's the exact number but if it is 100 and let's be low ball 20 beds per that's 2000 less beds in orange county that's two and and you can understand that the here here's one thing a friend of mine's that i sad to hear went out of business and in, in the valley uh he's a good guy um he couldn't he he was too used to the fifty percent um, of billable. Then when it went to thirty three percent, he didn't see a trend. Like he, <laughs> there's a trend happening. Yeah. If so, Mike, just so that we'll, I'll explain it to you, Mike, so that the people at home don't feel that I'm talking down to them. Okay. So you bill an man, insurance are you company to Mike. <laughs> yeah, you bill an insurance <laughs> company two thousand dollars a day, and for about three or four years, they're paying you fifty percent of that. $1,000 a day. 
So about a year and a half, a year and a few months ago, a year and a month ago, they started paying about 35%. So you build them 2,000, they pay 700, right? Everybody didn't see that as a trend. <laughs> Evan was the one who saw it as a trend. This is not going in the right direction. Hmm. We're going to have to, and, and in fact, we were planning how to streamline the fire just did it for us like extremely Yeah, that's well. a, fire is a hell of a streamliner, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Because now we can grow with the mindfulness of 33% of billable. You know what I mean? Right. Because you, you sign these leases and you, and you expand and you have all these services that you're providing and you're only getting... I put it to anybody else. If you went to work and they just said, we're going to pay you 17% less than we did last month, what would you do? Oh, I know what I'd do, but... you go find a new job. Yeah. Well, not if that was your chosen profession. You would figure it out, or you would argue, or you would talk to your management about how do I get back to what I was making. Mm -hmm. But you would stay in the job. If yeah, you love you the love career. It. If you love the career, right? You love what you're doing, exactly. Because the music is the best example. In, two, in uh, whatever it was, in... In 1998, I made a quarter million dollars. In 1999, I made nothing. I still stayed a musician, right? Yeah, listen, an audio you understand? engineer makes right. the same amount so, of money he used to make. So, so, but the people who really don't care about being a musician, there was a lot of bands that as soon as their album bombed, they got dropped, they broke up and became lawyers or, or you know, carpenters, right? <laughs> right. If you're a musician, you're a musician, right? That's how I figured it. So I decided not to be a musician anymore. There's a difference between, uh, in, in two, 99, I, I can tell you, Chris Hoy was there. On New Year's Eve, 99 into 2000, I made the decision that I can't be a musician anymore. I want to be, but I can't. Spiritually, I couldn't handle it because I knew what I was in store for. And it's what a lot of my friends do to this day, which is getting in a van. You got to play 200, 250 shows a year. You're never home. You never see your children. See, most of my friends that are doing it don't have little children, right? Right, right. And I wanted to have a family and have a real family, right? So I couldn't be away 250 days a year. And you only make a living. You only, if you, you know, if you're making... If you're out playing for 100 to 400 people a night, five days a week, 250 shows a year, you're only making about $5,000, $8,000 a month after you pay all the people and pay the hotels and whatever. You work your ass off, you make a good living. I'll give it that. Right. But I knew that I could make a good living as a drug and alcohol counselor if I applied myself to it. And that's what I did in 2000. It took me about four years to make as much as I would have if I would have gotten in a van and played 250 shows a year with four kids I didn't know. Who you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about playing with Josh Klinghoffer and Kevin and people I know or Pete and Mike. I'm talking about four guys that you pay a thousand bucks a week to. You know, a lot of your bands down there in Orange County do it. I, I've heard. <laughs> right? Right, right. We don't, we don't do that stuff. We play when, it's, when everybody can. But but all those bands, a lot of those bands from the 80s and even oh, the yeah. 70s, they just have none of the original members, just the singer, right? A lot of bands from Minnesota do it and people from Chicago do it. Yeah, no, singer? You know. What are you talking about? The drummer? 
Yeah. <laughs> what band's the drummer? Well, you know what? Oh, Vandals? Well, I think the Vandals. I He's talking about his old friend, Steve-O. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Joe, well, that's true, though. Joe, the, the original Steve-O, not the Steve-O from Jackass. No, yeah. That's a whole other story. Dude. But, that's you know, a whole other story. Joe worked his butt off to put those guys where they're at today and to keep I understand viable. That. I'm that, not, you know. I, I love but Joe. But who I'm talking about is like Canned Heat. I think Canned Heat is like still tours around and it's like the drummer guy. Well, at least it's an original member. Yeah, but I mean, like Bow Wow Wow, when you go to see them and it's not even Annabella, it's um, just... Um, You're kidding. It's just Lay. Really? Lay Gorman. Yeah, the Is guy that just, played wait, bass wait, 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 in wait, the wait. original so Adam and the So I could have done that. So I could have done that. Is it just one of the drummers? <laughs> no, it, no, it's it, Dave Barb, the original drummer, isn't in it, and the other guy, Dan, uh, overdosed a long time ago, and Annabelle Lewin, she does her own thing, calling it Bow Wow Wow, but it's just this guy... I know. I, I the fall. I heard the fall is going to go on without Mark. Oh my God! You love the fall. How can the fall go on? Oh, no, no, no. How Do you can without Marky Smith? Bob, I so remember in that. <laughs> he band. is the fall, but it can still go on. That's like David Bowie you, going on. Hey, listen. On a Friday night when there's nothing else to do, and the fall is playing at the uh, at the observatory, <laughs> even though the Mark guy's been dead for five years, you might go. You oh, might go pay 20 bucks to see it. For nostalgia? For nostalgia state? I don't know. We were just talking about Kiss, and you have some pretty hard feelings about Dude, that. that was I the can't. whole Ishtar tour, man, where we watched Ishtar every single day oh, in, the, in the bus. I love that movie. We watched Ishtar every single day, and you watched The Fall on video over and over and over. That guy that was... So, was he... Did you ever meet Marky Smith? Was he just a total yeah, he, angry... I, mm, sarcastic... Drunk. He seems so unhappy, but I love yeah, his stuff. But it just seemed like it came out of someone who was just totally miserable. But he married a girl from the valley. Really? Oh, from well, LA. there you go. Yeah. So I mean, there's always that. I <laughs> what mean, was the what was I mean, the witches? Love, the witches record. What just, was that? Let, uh, we could do a whole show on what happened to the punk rock generation from London. They all lived in L.A. They all still <laughs> live in L.A. The they all do, married yeah. people from L.A. Right. They, weather, baby, weather. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. Yeah. Why not Florida? Because people eat each other's faces down there. Do you remember when we sat in that bar and we're talking to that? We got down to Miami and you and I just went straight to the hotel bar and we were sitting there and there was a gunfight out in front of the bar. I uh, seem to remember Because that. mosquitoes, humidity, and I'm not a fan of Florida. Not not nothing personal, but I can't deal with humidity. But, but I, it's pretty crazy how many English punk rock stars live in L.A. Lydon, Steve Jones, uh, uh, the Billy bass, Duffy, B Billy Idol, Ian Asbury, B not, yeah, the Cult, yeah. the uh, Billy Idol, um, right. uh, the guy from Six Six Butnik and Generation X. He just uh, they Tony, just the, yeah. The, they just formed a band with with uh, the, Tony James and it was the Sex Pistols and Generation oh, X. Oh right, Generation Sex, Generation <laughs> but, Sex. Right, I just yeah. saw. Was I it, wanted to go so bad. Was it good? I didn't go. I, I haven't couldn't heard get anything out of about it. it. Check. I live I've in Claremont. Down. I've been <laughs> down for for three weeks. It's been three weeks since my surgery, and I haven't done anything. In, I love like Generation all, X. All of a sudden, as soon as I as soon as I can't even really walk. Everybody's playing everywhere. It seems like, and I was talking. I show up here tonight, and I go, "Hey, Mike, what's up?" And he goes, "Man, there's been so many good shows lately." And I'm like, "I know because I haven't been able to go." Well, there was one that I went to that wasn't last so night. Good. Bob Forrest, The Avengers. 
Oh, really? At Alex's, it was you know, great. I'll, I'll give Alice you a trivia question. I'll give so you a great. trivia question about the Avengers. Jimmy Avenger ended up being the lead guitar player in Chris Isaac's band. Did you know that? Oh, really? The guy That's that, not the a play- question. That's a statement. Oh, a statement. <laughs> a tri- I was True. saying trivia. True. A trivia question <laughs> that you could use. Okay. Right? And, and they were originally called, it was originally not just Chris Isaac. He was just a singer of a band called Silvertone after the amps. Very nostalgic, you know, right. uh, uh, throwback. It was Jimmy Avenger, the drummer, I forget the drummer's name, and then Chris Isaac and a bass player. And they were great. It was called Silvertone. And then Chris Isaac, that, that uh, guitar on the song where he's walking down the beach, that's Jimmy yeah, Avenger. Right. Oh, really? that's nice. I didn't know it's that. crazy. So, Dude, that guy's such a great guitar player. Like when I like a guitar player in a punk rock band, it's just all guitar, man. I'm just up with the guitar all up in the faces. People. <laughs> it's know the I mean? American in me that makes me watch the blood oh, run yeah, out of the fun, bullet man. holes in his head. And it's then the Alice American Bag is so great too, man. And then, you know, there's this band, like this new band. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not a new band. But uh, the neighborhood brats, do you know them? Yeah, I've seen the videos. Oh my god, I love See, that's them. The that other girl thing. is so great. That girl is so amazing. How about the fact that we've all? It used to be when we were growing up that you saw a band. Like I saw every band at the Cuckoo's Nest. I saw right. the Ramones, the Fabulous Poodles, the Vipers. You know the Vipers, turning yeah. Japanese. I think I'm turning the vapors, Japanese. Yeah. Vapors, 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 Bob. vapors. <laughs> Turning Japanese because all those bands went to the Cuckoo's Nest and I lived in Huntington. Yeah, but that's a horrible so, song. No, I know, love they're, that. They're, song. they're a great band. I'm sorry, I'm one of the few people. You know, they're they're touring all over the London again, and yeah, it's it's it's. A I saw the Vibrators. I saw all these bands, and I saw all the local bands. Turning Japanese. I then all the local bands I used to go see them. Now, what I just said to Mike is about Neighborhood Brats. Yeah, I've seen them on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're in the problem them. line. They are so great live. Oh, no. I haven't actually, that girl is amazing. I've seen them, but I haven't actually left my home. Uh, we got to go thing. see. We got to get you out, Bob, to see these some of these bands. Okay, like, you know who's coming there. again to the uh, Alex's? Uh, briefs? No, the Briefs, yeah. Yes. It's going to be briefs. fun. The briefs and the, snit- and the Snitches. I just called them the Snitches. I meant the Stitches. Uh, the Stitches. The stitches. <laughs> All right. Mike well, Lorman. there's a lot of music, but... but uh, I got to tell you. So get the right treatment. Getting the right treatment is the main point. And so here's, here's the statement, though. We need the parents or family members of loved one who's suffering from substance use disorder <laughs> to stand by where the good actor says they should go. Because they're not going to want to go to cry help. They're not going to want to go to uh, long-term treatment in, in, uh, in Connecticut. It was so funny. So me and Dr. Sharp, this guy I work with sometimes, tried to convince his client that they needed nine months of treatment at this long-term treatment facility in Connecticut. And I looked through their, their program. It had three stages, all 90 days. You don't get bumped up early. First stage, no phones, mm. no nothing. Go to groups, do your treatment. Second one, sober living, get your phone, start looking for a job, intensive outpatient, five days a week, accountability, drug testing. Third stage, they had these, these uh, like you live in, uh, it's almost like, a, it's like designed living. So if you graduate the, for the, to the, at the six-month point, you get to live in a two-bedroom apartment with a roommate 
that's uh, part of the whole thing, right? Cooper used to do that. Who did? Cooper Fellowship. Really? Where is that? <laughs> that's at? what it was like when I went through in uh, in Santa Ana. Is it still there? Yeah, but yeah. it's a six week program now. <laughs> six weeks. It was a six month program when I went through it. But you did, you did it like that. I mean, it, it wasn't staged the same, but once you did your six months, you had the option of going into the apartments, and only if you were, you know, able to pay, and only if you were doing everything the way you were supposed right, to, right, were you right. allowed to right. participate in the right, third Right, right. What yeah. about the Rock House? Is the Rock House there? Rock Center? Rock Center. Rock Center, I believe the building is up for sale. I love to take people to that place. I, I, I liked I'd, that building. I'd I went in there like twice, get, I think. I'd make them get money to get themselves in. I'd say, okay, I'll take you, but you have to get $50 to give them. Is that how much it is, 50 Yeah, 50 bucks copay or something like when that. You, when you went through there for the detox, it was they'd bill you. Oh, yeah, I, think it was, I think it was like $119 for a week. Oh, when I when I used to do, I mean, I haven't taken anybody in there in a long time, but you had to pay right off the bat. You just Bam. called yourself out, Mike. Get back to it. Well, you know, I know. I don't mind at all. You know, but it was but it was non-medically assisted. It was um, social model social detox. Social model detox, and uh, you go through that, and then and then it's a 90-day program. At, so at let's, just, let's just do the cheat sheet for the, those, the parents at home. So here's here's the different modalities. We'll There's social model detox means you just have a buddy helping you get through the detox. You get no meds. You take a walk. It's rough. The best one was Desert Hot Springs, the ranch, because you could walk out in the desert, and they <laughs> would let you walk out. <laughs> out with flashlights at night in the desert. Right, just to get out of the fucking building makes your skin stop crawling. Right, yeah, that's true. And you could take baths as often as you wanted. Right. Sit in the bathtub. You had your own like little one bedroom hotel room, and you had a staff member available to you anytime. Like you know, and it was pro staff, so it was another client who was six months sober. So social model detox. There's medically assisted treatment, which is just a fancy term for you're maybe a psych patient, and we're going to give you psych meds. There's replacement therapy, which is you're never going to get off this opioid or this benzodiazepine or this alcohol. So we're going to give you a replacement drug. Suboxone. Suboxone, benzos for alcohol, and more mild benzo for benzo addiction. <laughs> right? They do. They switch benzos. <laughs> if you like Zanny bars, they give you clonopin. Right? The replacement therapy. So replacing the right. drug. Methadone is the most famous replacement There's therapy. There's junkies out there right now that go that are going, Oh, okay, I'm gonna say benzos then. <laughs> give me Zanny bars. No, no one no, gets Zanny no bars. <laughs> No, and I, I there's can't no they, medical reason for Zanny bars. They still are allowed to sell them when they're strictly <laughs> recreational use, and they foul people up. There no, right, when, but most importantly, don't die. Out so that, but so, but no, but no, but there's oh. way more, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Then there's what we're pro, we're selling, which is abstinence-based treatment, which is no drug, you know, minimal drugs, and a spiritual or biological, biopsychosocial approach, which is the Minnesota model. That's what you're selling. We're selling the compassionate care approach, which is doesn't have to be 12-step based. I think they call it holistic. Holistic, alternative. It's totally alternative, bro. Right. But but I wouldn't be so pro-alternative solutions if, if the AA of 1984 was the AA of 2019. That it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think I, I do believe. I mean, there's enough people who are, are gaining a voice 
and I think it is, I think it is changing. I think for every one person that we communicate a positive message to of you have the right to speak up. It's, it's nobody's meeting. It's everybody's meeting. Right. And, and all those things, the things that are moving forward in positive directions, I, I believe, you know, every- I always sell my time. I go for an hour and a half. I, I, I don't, I don't care what is said or done as long as it's helpful to the new person. That's why I'm going. I, I, I'm going for the new person so that they have somebody that they might identify, which, which is me or you. That's why we go. And that's why we share experience, strength, and hope. What our life was like, what happened, what our life is like now. So that the new person could figure out who they think they would trust to help them find the gift of sobriety. It's not about what I think for the new person. <laughs> right. It's me to share and then they'll, they'll, they'll approach you and, and seek a solution. Because you're the one that said it the way they like hearing it. That's right. people have gotten so far away from what it's about. When I would go, to, you know, one of the first meetings I went to, Doug Figer was a speaker, and I was like, there were so many ways that I identified. Like, oh my God, that guy is hugely successful. I wanted to be successful, so there right away, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to him. He's a successful person in the business that I'm in, and he's here talking about being sober. Right, you know, I know what I really liked about that's him. That's attraction I've, rather than promotion. I've heard some, I've heard some recordings of his the, the, from speaking in places. He's amazing, and I like the fact that he goes. You know what? I don't, I don't have a pitch. I don't, I don't have any idea what I'm going to tell you. And then he just starts going. Yeah, and it was, it was so obviously not a canned pitch. It was so obviously not high points and low points. Sometimes he would talk about music. Sometimes he wouldn't. I saw him speak probably fifty times. Sometimes, yeah, it was just random. And it was just, and the only reason someone like me likes that because I've never been a great storyteller, and I don't have you know great stories. If I had your stories, I, I'd be a storyteller. I'd probably be an amazing <laughs> speaker. My stories are not as good, and I don't tell them well. But the idea of just being able to speak from the heart, and that does connect to me when people do that. Yeah, that, 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 that's what all of AA is based on. Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob said, I'll give him 15 minutes. That's all Bill Wilson needed. You know what he did in that 15 minutes? He didn't tell him, you know, you need to work the steps and this whole program's about the steps or this whole program's about God or this whole program's about this or you need to be in a meeting and 90 meetings in 90 days. He didn't go in there with a a briefcase full of rules. He went in there and for 15 minutes told what his life was like, what happened and what his life was like now. And that led to an, a six-hour conversation because that interested Dr. Bob. If he would have gone in there and said, you need, to, you need to work the steps. I'm coming up with these steps. You need to work them. You, know, you need to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. <laughs> Dr. Bob would have stood up and walked out of there and AA would have never existed. That's exactly right. In fact, he even said that. If he said, don't let him in. If he, I don't want to talk to this guy if he's going to be telling me what to do. Exactly. That's what he told mm. Dude. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as crazy as people make me see. <laughs> That's <I'm> not, not <laughs> proof that you're not crazy. That just means that you, you got something totally, you hit, you hit the So there's absence, right on the, head. the last one, there's absence-based treatment of which there's twofold. There's 12-step absence-based and there's alternative, compassionate care, gebamata, all that kind of stuff that aloe does. Then there's a third one, which is dual diagnosis treatment, trying to figure out which is your primary problem. 
right? So that's a very popular treatment nowadays. More and more sought out on the internet is, you know, co-occurring disorders, you know, dual diagnosis. I got news for you. It's my opinion. If you value it, we're all dual diagnosed. <laughs> all of us. Every human being in the United States. Only dual? Has, has, yeah. Are you kidding? I know. I'm quad. What? I'm the idea that we categorize people as, oh, those are the people with the mental problems oh, over they, there. They, they've only got Let two. me tell you something. Greed is a mental defect. It's a mental <laughs> illness. If you have greed, you have dual problems. Yeah. And then from there, you know, all the other stuff. Bob, they teach you how to be greedy in universities, man. You know that. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, they teach you. That's a second podcast. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pick that up on the next podcast. All universities right. Right. teaching greed and fascism. I can't <laughs> believe it. All right, love everybody. See you later. Bob. Peace out. Take it easy. This is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.